Hello, this is longtime Milwaukee radio personality Steve Pallack. Stand by, your next episode is queued up. The on air light is lit. It's season five of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back. Tonight we have a special episode. I'm Chris Byers, always with my co-host Jim Martin. Jim, hello everybody. Yeah, I got to think you're excited about this, Jim. You're a big baseball guy. Very excited. Yep, yep. It's almost April. It's crazy, but yeah, I'm very excited about this. Right, and the baseball season's happening. There was a chance it wasn't going to happen, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be big. Well, tonight is is our first perhaps annual Brewers 2022 preseason podcast. We try and keep. Uh, bringing our listeners big name uh, to our show. And tonight, maybe we've got two of the biggest ones. We've got a guest we've had on before. Actually, they've both been on. Yep. But they have not been on together. And no. that's that's significant. Worlds colliding. Here we go. Yeah, worlds are colliding. <laughs> we got we got Jeff, Josh Grayson, and we got Jerry Augustine, of course, a former brewer. And why that's significant is these two guys were best buddies working the Brewers Fox Sports pregame, postgame for a number of years. And I've talked to them both separately, and they both beamed about working with each other and how fun it was. Jeff, when did you guys do this? When did you do uh, Fox Sports Brewers uh, pregame, postgame? First, thanks for for having me on. It is truly a privilege to be on, not just with the Tosins, but with the the King of Kiwani, the Lord of Lacrosse, (laughs) the Prince of the UWM (laughs) Panthers, the man, the myth, Augie. (laughs) To answer your question, we work together. For about a, a solid decade, I want to say, Augie, it was probably somewhere 2009 or so. That's right. For about nine nine years, 10 seasons, we, we worked together. And we also got to work with our friend, the late Davey Nelson. And for me to work with Augie, to work with Davey, two of the nicest guys, greatest guys. And I, I got to work with Augie um, for all those years and Davey, but... Truly a privilege, a pleasure, and a whole lot of fun talking baseball, listening to, to Augie and Davey. And this was a seamless production. You guys were not in the same studio, right, Augie? That's right. Jeff was actually up in Minneapolis with most of the crew and uh, the producers and everything. And that's where the meat of the, the, the programs came from. And then I was in a studio with just a cameraman in, in Brookfield, Wisconsin, uh, and we carried out back and forth and the funny thing what, what about that is there's always some kind of a delay when you get you have those kinds of transmissions and we did we were together for so long we knew each other so well that you it was like seamless after i would say even the first year the first month it 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 really helped and i think the the best thing about this what we did together and the fun we had and the excitement we 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 brought to fans of baseball was that jeff is a brewer fan Inside and out. He's born in born in uh, Wawatosa. Uh, grew up in Wawatosa. Is a fan. Is when you talk about the game of baseball and things about the game of baseball, he understands it. He knows it. Uh, he can. He knows more about the history of baseball than I'll ever know. I might know some about pitching and some other aspects, but Jeff knows the game. And when you combine those two elements together, I think that makes for a uh, a group a group or a twosome or a, a people are going to put on a show. It just blends real well, and that's what Jeff and I did very well. He, I just think when you have someone like Augie who pitched, I mean, we grew up, the three of us 
Augie, the three of us are, are Tosa boys. We're yep, Tosa right. Red Raiders. We grew up watching you pitch. So here's Augie, guys, who's, who's pitched at the highest level in the big leagues, but, it, but never acted like he was better than us, even though we all looked up to him. and We, we know he him. is, even though we yeah. know he is. That's even though we, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you guys are saying that you grew up watching me. I'm only, I mean, I'm only right now, I'm only like 46 years old. <laughs> that's the funny thing. he started pitching when he was seven at yeah, the right. big league level rumors <laughs> went to a youth movement but because augie was down to earth you know my job it's sort of like you guys when you do the podcast with your guests you're kind of the setup guys mm-hmm. and i always believe that as the host in our show and in most shows when you've got someone like augie you just want to tee him up and let him show what he knows you're being too kind as far as my knowledge i mean i pride myself on being well-read and those kinds of things. But people watching at home or listening, they want to hear from, from the person who played. Who And so I looked at it as being kind of the, the, the setup person for, for Augie. And he, it was just a blast, and it is now right now with you guys, to talk baseball. But I always learned something, too. And just, you know, sort of like a manager putting the ball in the pitcher's hands, just get the ball to Augie. Yeah, it was a, it was so much fun, and I, I tell you, one of the biggest things I think when with our relationship is a lot of times that it seems like every time we went into Pittsburgh or Cincinnati, we always had rain delays, and that and that's one thing I think the production people up in Ma- up in Minnesota really felt relaxed. If we didn't have something to go to in programming, they could come to us, and we could we just go. And, and Jeff would bring back things about the game. But then when we had our talk in the morning, our, our pre-game uh, talk or whatever you want to call it, we would talk about a lot of things about baseball. And we talked about the game the night before, what's coming up, or who's throwing well. Those conversations, when we had to go out and do a rain delay, it was like, it's not something we picked something from off a tree. We just, we had already talked about it. And that's why the smoothest, like he says, growing up in Wauwatosa and and knowing the guys that, I mean, my idol, Hank Aaron, Jeff met Hank Aaron, and some of the players, Eddie Matthews, one of my all-time favorites, he's met these guys. Well, I got to meet them, too, and they were my heroes growing up. I was Eddie Matthews almost every day of my life when I was in there, or I was Warren Spahn. <laughs> so that, I think that bond really played well for us. Yeah, very natural, I would think, right? After, I mean, you just get on, you, they say, do some filler, and you guys just do what you do normally, just having a conversation as buddies, right? I mean, that's, yeah. That's right. You guys do it on your podcast. I mean, you guys know each other really well yep. and you're friends. And Augie, Augie and I are friends. I mean, anyone who meets Jerry becomes his friend. And we, we hit it off from the get-go because we everyone's got an ego. And you're in front of the camera. I think people, there, there are egos. But the truth is, neither of us really had an ego. I mean, we, we just wanted to do a good job uh, and have fun because people are tuning in to watch the game. And if we can get it where we're talking baseball and the people who are watching, they're watching because they love the Brewers, just like the four of us do. Yep. And, you know, we love the Brewers. You can't fake that. It doesn't mean if you're not from Wisconsin, you can't do Brewers live. You could, of course. Sure. But it was built into the, the four of us because, you know, loving Milwaukee baseball and uh, around the state, too, because Augie's from, you know, Kiwani. And so, mm-hmm. it, it yeah, that, that rapport, you build on that and just, just the respect level. And also, you know when to have fun, but you also know when to focus on the game and get serious. You guys have that rapport as well. I mean, you guys have known each other a lot longer than Augie and I have. So Yeah, sure. during the yeah. game, when you guys are in two separate spots, were you talking the game? Were you watching it together? Were you talking during the game? 
Oh yes. What we would do, we would both, we would sit down. We had a, uh, we had the phone line open. Sometimes uh, the best of all is when we could see each other and talk, but sometimes if the, that didn't work in the pre zoom era, we would just be on the phone. We were on the phone for sure. All the time from the second, the pregame show ended we had the phone lines open in a perfect world. We could see each other too, but yes, we were on the phone the whole time watching the game, talking to each other during the game. And my favorite parts are when either the Brewers would get something going or the opponent would. And I'd ask Augie, what's he going to throw here? Two on two outs. What's he going to throw? Cause I don't know. And Augie would say, look for this, look for that. And so we're both charting the game. We're taking notes on the game, but we're talking to each other and it's the perfect game to be able to do that. Because, you know, you're in between pitches and that sort of thing. Whereas doing the Bucks, like with Tony Smith, you know, it's it's a different pace. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's different. You know, you're keeping yep. track of hoops and it, it's you know, it's a running score. Whereas baseball, you can talk about tendencies and things like that. So, yes, we were we were on the phone together at all times. Uh, and sometimes we if if the hookup was right, we could see each other, too. Last year, the Brewers, they clinched the playoff berth, extending their consecutive postseason streak to four years. That's a franchise record. The Brewers clinched the National League Central Division and uh, for the first time since 2018. And then they lost to the eventual World Series champion, the Atlanta Braves, in the playoffs. So let's talk about the 2022 Brewers. Let's talk about the roster here. As far as the roster goes, the Brewers roster is pretty much pretty close to what it was last year. And I'm going to go over a little bit about, you know, some of the guys we lost, some of the guys we added and, and see what you guys think about, about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we lost Avi Garcia last year, right? He, he moved, he, he went, I don't remember where he went, but he went somewhere. Uh, Miami. Okay. Yeah. 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 Miami. And then uh, uh, Vogelbach, we, he, he went somewhere else. Um, and then Manny Pena. So those were the kind of the three guys that I really thought were like, really big uh, pieces that or bigger names that we lost this year. But we also added Andrew McCutcheon, which I think is, is cool. Even though he's kind of at the tail end of his career, he's still a, a really solid player. I think that's a, a cool. We also, uh, Hunter Renfro. Um, and then we picked up, uh, and I don't remember this guy's first name, but Severino, right. Catcher. So those are kind of, you know, the pieces we added, the pieces we lost. Um, the, f- maybe the first thing I want to kind of address is, Avi Garcia was, was, was a loss, but we got a lot of infielders and we got a lot of really good. We got some utility guys and stuff. So I think we can cover that. First base is the thing that's a little bit of a question. So you got Rowdy Telez now. And this question, uh, Jeff comes from Jeff Melman and he's my next door neighbor and he hey. wants to know, um, are there any concerns about Rowdy Telez being the everyday first baseman now? What do you guys think? I think that's a good question. I think uh, I was thinking about this, guys, especially since Augie's on. You have a guy who Augie played with, Cecil Cooper, and then we had Prince, you know, about two decades later. Other than those two guys, and I know we had Lyle Overbay for a little while, but first base has been kind of a rotating thing for the Brewers over the years. And Mm -hmm. they've had some really good guys who have had wonderful moments like uh, Eric Thames and uh, mm-hmm. folks like and Richie Sexton for a few years, et cetera. Yeah. So when you look at Telez, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not sure, Augie, because we haven't seen him kind of be thinking he's going to do this for, let's say, 130 games. And so I don't want to say I'm skeptical, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure because he, he did great. He became kind of a, a favorite in, in Milwaukee. What do you think? Do you think he can do it? Can he shoulder the load for, let's say, 
let's say let's put 125 games out there, which would be, I think, huge if he could. You know, Jeff, if he can go on, like you just said, and play 125 games, that's a bonus on a bonus, I think, for Rowdy Tellers. I think the one thing that impressed me about Rowdy Tellers is how good he is at first base. He has great footwork. He understands bad hops and where to play and position himself. He's very smart when the balls hit to him on making the right play, making quick decisions in the field. I don't think the I don't think Brewers have had that over there for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, but more about what at the plate I like him is his patience. He's mm-hmm. extremely patient at the plate. He understands that you know what if you come to a situation and every situation is different, you make a mistake on the inner half of the plate and it's left over the plate. I'm going to hit the ball in the ballpark, but yet. He's smart enough to come up and say, hey, I got a runner on second base. I got nobody out. What's my job? My job is, number one, get him to third or get him in. He'll take that ball the opposite way. And uh, he's really done well. If you remember the playoffs against the Braves, if there was a bright star for the Brewers, Rowdy Tellis was good. He had a couple home runs, mm-hmm. made some great plays, got a couple good base hits. I like him. I like him at first base right now. I think you're giving him a chance. And that's what some players need. They need to get that chance on a consistent basis. So, so Jeff, I think, and in, in going back to you with Rowdy, I think he's a guy you've got to give a chance, and let's see what happens. I think he can do it, to answer Jeff's question. I think he can do it because he also – he hit 272. He's not some – with the Brewers in 56 mm-hmm. games. So he's not just some free-swinging guy who hits like 180 but hits a lot of home runs. He, like Augie said, he's a pretty patient hitter, maybe defying the stereotype of a kind of a bigger guy. And so, plus, maybe you mix him in once in a while at the DH, you know, since we have that opportunity now. Maybe you're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to optimistically say, like Augie said, bonus on a bonus. I think he keep him healthy. I think he can do it. I think he can. Yeah. I think he's got the right temperament and the patience to do it. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It would be great if we could find a solid guy that this is our first baseman. You know, maybe maybe not Freddie Freeman kind of uh, you know all star, <laughs> but but you know that kind of like solid. He's always there. You know, um, okay. So um, I'm trying to decide if okay. There's a couple guys that I want to talk about who were looking for some some kind of uh, a little bit more of a comeback, right? Mm-hmm. Keston Hira, Christian Yelich, right? We're hoping they they pick it up. Keston Hira has been pretty hot like here uh, recently. And so um, what do you guys think about the chances that those guys are going to, I mean, I guess this is kind of a stupid question because they're both very talented players. So the chances are always there, but uh, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about those situations? Should we start Augie? Why don't we start with Yelich? Because he's, sure. the, he's the, the guy. I think back to Ryan Braun when, you know, Ryan Braun be, and, and, and Prince, but then Prince moved on. And Ryan Braun, let's, I hate to say face of the franchise, but he was. And he put up some huge numbers. He got a, he got a huge contract, uh, MVP trophy, et cetera. Christian Yelich, like gangbusters. I mean, what a move. What a perfect fit. For the Brewers to really have a shot to go places this year, he doesn't have to be the MVP. I mean, we've got to be realistic. You know, you can't just order that on a platter. But it would be great to see him – bounce back a little bit to pass to the to the years i mean the nuts from a few years back you know 2018 2019 combined it's pretty amazing he hit 327 combined with 80 home runs the last two years he hit 234 now the home runs are misleading because they only played 60 games uh two years ago but he's got to be healthy and if he can put this team once in a while on his shoulders you have to he doesn't have to carry this team this team's good that's not what i'm saying Yep. But 
he's got to get back offensively a little bit to yep. what to what we saw. And I know he feels the same way. And I, mm-hmm. I, I just hope he could stay healthy and get – you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say he's got to hit 400 yeah. with 50 home runs. I'm not saying that at all. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy, level-headed, but he's got to get back a little bit to where he's – you know, leading in terms of performance on the field. Yep. I, I really liked the way Jeff put it. And when he started out by talking about Ryan Braun being the face of the franchise, I think when we talk about face of the franchise with Christian, you probably say he's the new face of the franchise. But when Jeff and I talk together about things like that, it's not so much that you're the face of the franchise. He's the type, Christian Yelich is the type of guy like a Ryan Braun that there's every team in the game of baseball if Ryan, if Christian Yelich is in that lineup, that lineup is a better lineup. And I think that's what you look at for Christian Yelich. Yes, did he struggle the last two years? I think one thing he found out that he found out that, you know what? I don't care how long you play in the big leagues. They're going to find out something about you and they're going to really go after it. And they did. And how did they go about it? They pounded him up and in where it's very tough to handle for a lefty. They threw that slider in the dirt. He swung and missed it, couldn't hold up. And then he got after that, he got so conscious of that. They were actually getting away with fastballs up, which the years before would hit that ball. Remember, Jeff, he hit that ball to left yep. center, double yep. left center. I think he's going to, I think he understands that. I think the one thing Christian Yelich did, especially after the, after the shortened year, went back and struggled the next year. I think he took it very seriously. I think he watched a lot of film and I think he understands that where his weaknesses are already in spring training. I see him very quick to the ball on the inner half of the play, fighting those bitches off. I see him hitting the ball the opposite way, giving that good at bat. I see him a lot more patient at the plate, make that pitch and throw that pitch. So I'm like Jeff. I, I think that he is going to be the guy for the Brewers to do anything. There's no question, no matter who you talk to in the baseball world, Christian Yelich has to be that guy who's in that lineup, who doesn't have to do it every day, but he has to be in that lineup and he has to perform. He's got to be feared, right? I mean, because yeah. you, otherwise, you know, you, he, you can, you can't use him to, to say, um, like cover up a guy, or, you know, to, to help another guy out, you know, like uh, that type of thing. If, if they just feel like, well, I just throw him a slider down and in and, you know, it's over. And, um, and I think that's kind of the way he's been the last year and a half where he still obviously has a power, but hasn't been as dangerous as he, as he's been in the past. And, and like you said, I don't think he needs to carry the team either, but I think he definitely needs to be. Uh, you know, more, a little more clutch than he has been. Yeah. And at times, too. at times, a guy like that can't for maybe a six game stretch or, or something like that. What's interesting about the game that I always found fascinating talk about with Augie and, and now with you guys is how a player like Christian Yelich, when he's got it going, Augie, what that can do for the guys ahead of him mm-hmm. and what it does for the guys behind him. Because if he's going well, then maybe McCutcheon's going to, you know, Maybe McCutcheon's going to benefit from that if he's hitting cleanup or, or maybe the guys ahead of him, you know, Wong, it, it changes everything. And so I'm confident he's going to bounce back. I don't know how it's going to shake out in terms of numbers, but, you know, people aren't paying that much attention outside of uh, Brewer fans to Yelich these days. Yep. I just got a feeling that good things are coming for Yelich this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and talking about it, I'm going to bring back our, our old mate, Davey Nelson. Come on in, Davey. Davey Nelson would say, <laughs> Kristen Yelich is one of those players that is dangerous when he's not dangerous. That means in the lineup, he at any time, he can do something pretty significant. Or like Jeff just said, he goes in a game and he hits well for six games, drives in some runs, hits some big base hits. All of a sudden, the back of everybody's mind, yep. Christian is back. That makes a guy, even though maybe he's not playing as well, he's not as dangerous as he usually is, 
He's still dangerous by because exactly what Jeff said. He's better for everybody else in the lineup. Right. And, and then the pitchers start getting tight too, right? And they miss their spots right. a little bit. And then, uh, and then, you know, just kind of snowballs from there, hopefully in our, in our favor. But, uh, okay. So, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about Keston here. We yeah. are, I, I think we're, I, I'm completely burying the lead here and we'll talk about that after Hira. But, um, but, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Keston Hira. Well, you know, I remember when the Brewers drafted him. I remember we interviewed him uh, on the air and he, he's a California kid. I want to say UC Irvine out in Orange County, I believe, but he's from California and he was so excited. And this was a case of uh, just a hot hitter, a guy who's going to bring offense, but what about the defense, et cetera. And I feel bad for him because he's been so inconsistent and Augie mentioned that, you know, people are going to find out your weaknesses and I can't imagine the ups and downs of being a major league player, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, but um, he hit 168 last year in 61 games. And he's kind of gone from being, this is a guy with a lot of promise to how much is he even going to play and where do we put him? Cause you know, they're trying to move him around a little bit. So Augie, I I'm, I'm not sure where, where he fits in right now. I, I sure hope he can because we saw his potential as a hitter a few years ago I'm, I'm just not sure where he goes. Well, I, I, that's a great question. And, you know, I, every year a lot of people ask me and uh, when I do shows is, who's your, who's your special guy this year? And, you know, you got to think Kesson. At one time you say, oh, it's got to be Kesson here and all that. The struggles he's had. The one thing that I've really liked about him, Jeff, and guys uh, this year, he's going back up the middle. Anytime a guy, and we've talked about how many times when we talk about players, we're swinging the bat, left center, right center. Get dialed in at the left center, right center. Take the ball back up to the pitcher, and and I think that's what we see out of Kesson. Um, I really think he's a he's a very approachable guy. He's a guy who understands that you know what you're not going to have great days every day, and he looks at last year as a great learning experience. Something that you know sometimes even as good as you are and all the all the pluses and you hear from people, you're going to have the minuses, and you got to take those minuses and you got to make things of those. And I think he did. I think he started over and I think he worked extremely hard. This spring, he is, his approach is patient. He's hitting fastballs up in the plate. And even last year, I think Jeff, remember watching him, he'd swing at that high fastball with two strikes a lot, swing right through it. He's not doing it this year. That means, you know what? I might strike out. I make it a couple in spring training, especially I'm going to learn my strike zone. Spring training. What do you do when we had Brandell? He had like, yeah. 30 walks in spring training. What do you do? I don't think there's, I thought times when he went up three times in a row and didn't swing a bat. You know why? Mm-hmm. He was checking out that strike zone. And I see Keston doing a lot of that this year. Um, I To see what they're going to do with him, that's the question. Is right. he going to play second? You're not going to play second base in front of close. Right. Maybe once in a while, they put him out in left field. He can't play third base. His arm is not strong enough. He has played a little bit of first base. So that, that versatility is going to come into play. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think swinging the bat, I like what he's doing. Can he stay there? That's a big question. Yeah, it can be a guy off the bench, I think. As of now, that's where that's I right. see him. It, can he be a key guy off the bench? Because you need depth because these guys get hurt. I, I dare say they might get hurt more now than when, when Augie played. Or else sure. maybe you guys, Augie, mm-hmm. played hurt more. But I would love to see him be a factor off the bench because yeah. uh, he was young. 
I mean, yeah. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got, he, he's got legs. He's got youth on his side. So I, I hope it can work out for him. It's a big year for him though. I, I, I hope he can keep up what he's doing in the spring uh, with the Brewers when we get this going. Right, right. You know, and, and we are going to talk about the rule, some of the rule changes in the second half of this, but, uh, but that DH thing, you know, that could really play in his favor too, because, you know, it, that's, I think that's, I don't want to go too deep into that. I'm excited about it, but we'll talk about it later. Um, okay. So the lead here that I'm burying obviously is the pitching, right? Is, is the Brewers pitching staff the best in the league? I, I think so based on, I mean, when you look at, uh, one through three coming back and optimism for, for the rest of the rotation. It, it's funny because you know, we all grew up in Wisconsin, great uh, offensive baseball, hitting base, Har- Harvey's wall bangers, Milder, Young, Go- Storm and Gorman, Braun, Prince, etc. Pitching, I don't dare, I don't want to say it was on the back burner because, you know, we had, you know, Augie brought up Warren Spahn and there was Pete Vukovic and yep. uh, Raleigh Fingers, etc. Mm-hmm. But to me, as it should, it starts with pitching and Augie. These guys, these these first three, to me, lead the way. And because they're so good, I'm going to say, yeah, but I, I think they do right now. I got to do it again, which is an, it can be a cruel reality at times. But I think these guys are up for it. I think they're as good as it gets. Especially, I'm, I'm looking at the National League more than all of baseball, but I'll put them up there. These guys, and they're young too. You know, it's so funny because I watch a lot of MLB tonight and I listen to guys on there and they, you know, they talk about pitching staff. Of course, when we, everybody starts and we're going to go out to New York with what they have on the ground and, and Scherzer. I mean, how can you not have two of the better pitchers in all of baseball? But a lot of people go out and they say that the Miami Marlins have the best pitching staff in all of baseball. I disagree. I think when you've got, just like you said, you, you said it so eloquently and you got Virgin Woodruff who had, had got votes for Cy Young you got Freddie Peralta, who I think is a parade to go watch. He's like going to a amusement park because he's going to give you all he's got every time out there. Yeah. Hauser's starting to get his breaking balls better this spring. Uh, I really, Lauer came in and pitched the other night, pitched very well. But I, you know what? When you have guys like Brett Suter can come in once in a while, I really like my key guy this year is Aaron Ashby. I think he's got all the toys to, to be very good. Now we've gotten, we've got five, six, seven, and then they picked up J.C. Megna from the uh, yep, Cleveland, yep. and, and there's a guy that can really pitch. So I think when you look at the starting rotation with those guys, those seven or eight guys, and then you have a leadoff of Hader and Williams in that bullpen picking up Trevor Gott and some of these guys, I think they have the best pitching staff in all of baseball, not only from one through 13 or whatever it is. They got guys in the minors. Hobie, mm-hmm. Hobie can come up, and, you know, you got Perdomo's throwing the ball very well, and you got different guys that are, are, are going out, Topa is throwing the ball pretty well. You, you add that whole thing in there, this year could be pretty interesting. But I think starting and bullpen, I think they're the best in all baseball. And Council's great about over the years. I mean, Council has been a master and has had different pitching coaches, but he's been great about how to use them. I think one of the reasons they're not always thought of as the best is, I mean, I don't want to have this chip on our shoulder, but we're the smallest market in Major League Baseball, and we're not going to sign Max Scherzer for the national debt to pitch. You know, we're not going to go that route. Our guys are homegrown, and they're not they're not the, the biggest names in baseball, but they're making names for themselves. But I love how Council uses them. I'm not saying they would have beaten the Braves in the playoffs last year if Williams had not gotten hurt. I'm not saying they would have beaten the Braves. But he's a key too to to be the setup guy to get you to hate him. 
uh, Dev yeah, Williams. And I, I agree. I mentioned, kid. I said Maglio, and it's not Mahia, JC Mahia. Yeah. He's a starting big, strong kid. They're even yeah. thinking about him in the bullpen as being one of those guys. So yep. I think they have the makeup. I totally agree. If, if Devin Williams is healthy, could it have been different? It could have. I, the Braves, we just hit the Braves when they did everything right. Jack yeah. Peterson was out of his mind yeah. and different guys came up with big hits. And, you know, when you look at Freeman with the big hit off of one pitch that yeah. Josh Hader didn't want to make on the upper half away, he put it out there and Freeman did what he did as well yeah. with the ball the ballpark. But this team is, uh, they're really good. They're good. I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to be a force. But I think these guys got focused after last year that with this pitching staff being stronger, getting better, which I think mentally they got to get stronger than they were last year, could be as good as anybody in baseball. Yep. It does seem that over the last few years we've we've had the opponent in the playoffs that has sort of gotten on the roll at the expense of the Brewers with the Nationals, Dodgers. And that's right, you mentioned, that's right. You mentioned the Braves. They've sort of – the Brewers have been right there and they've gotten over the, the hump over the Brewers to get to the promised land. So maybe the Brewers can you know, kind of switch it around this year. Yeah. And we saw that with the uh, the 49ers this year, the hot team that took out the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that was yeah, our last right. podcast that we did yep. with Jeff. Giants yeah. did it. Giants did it with Eli Manning, too, several years ago at the expense yep. of the Packers. Yep. Jim, any big any big issues left? Uh, any stone to turn over here before we before probably, move out? Pro- probably, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we can always come back. I mean, I, I really would have liked to talk a little bit about Andrew McCutcheon, but, uh, but that's all right. Um, I mean, you know, maybe... Maybe we can maybe we can do that part of the second half. No, Augie just gave his prediction. We're going to talk some predictions in the second half. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk rule changes. We're going to talk the league in general, the division specifically, to see who might be the Brewers' uh, main uh, competitor. But I want to throw one last question out to Augie. I don't know if you watch YouTube uh, creators. There's this guy or this these creators out there. I think they're called Dorktown. Does that ring a bell with you, Jim? I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a real bit. stat heavy. Uh, oh, they do okay. a lot of graphics and stats, and they talk about old uh, old teams and whatnot. And they're in the midst right now of doing, I think, a three part thing about Dave Steeb, Dave Steeb, oh. who I thought pitched during your day, and they make an argument that Dave Steeb is quite possibly the best pitcher of his era. He was famously a hothead. Yeah, it's a Blue fascinating Jays. series. What do you have to say about Dave Steeb, Augie? Dave Steve was very good. Toronto Blue Jays. A guy had a really good fastball. You know, he wasn't unorthodox. He's a very, when you look at him, very consistent, very true. He had a really, one thing he had, he had a good sinking fastball that he could throw in on you, but he had that four seamer with a little bit of pop on it. He run. He had an excellent slider, excellent slider. But the one thing that Dave Steve did very well that you look at all the great pitchers, and I guarantee you, Jeff will back me up on this, is that great pitchers don't walk people. Great pitchers don't go deep in college. Great pitchers get ahead of people. They don't walk people and make the other team beat them. Dave Steve was one of those guys. Plus that, when he did get in trouble, that slider was just nasty. And he could throw it lefty, righter, make no difference. He backdoored to a lefty and he pounded on the ground a shortstop. And he was just, uh, as a competitor, excellent competitor. But uh, he was one of the better pitchers in all of baseball, I think, when he was with, with Toronto. He pitched the ball very well. But like I said earlier, and I think Jeff would agree with me, you don't walk people, you stay ahead, you can be pretty successful. Yep. Yeah, you know, two things they mentioned, uh, that he got no run support. If he had run support, his his record, which back then was a bigger deal. And, of course, that's an erroneous stat, you know, the win-loss thing, not the best record out there, best stat out there, that he would have had a much better uh, a better go of it. 
And I'm trying to think of the second point I had. Um, oh, the other thing was, it was interesting. He was a converted outfielder. He just pitched. Right. He, he was an outfielder that just happened to pitch one day uh, and huh. found out that he, he had this talent. Wow, I did so, not. Yeah. I did not know that. You, you just, you just, you just taught me. Did you know that? I, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Well, I recommend it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's called. I think it's called Dorktown. It's on YouTube. Well, with that, let's of, wrap uh, up. I'm just gonna say, remind you, Rick Ankeel, right? Wasn't he yeah. the guy? Yep. Converted out Cardinals. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Lefty. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah. with that, let's wrap it up, and we'll come back in about 20 seconds and get started in the second half. But for you at home, it'll be in a week. So. See you in a bit. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our 2022 baseball season preview with Jeff Grayson and Jerry Augustine. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.